this will be this will be part three of grace giving i think is what i called it i think that's what it is i don't know uh the first one we had was giving in grace the second one was a cheerful giver it's talking about the attitude with which we give uh the third one today will be so let him give which is going to be dealing with like the amount and that's that's one thing that's really interesting and we've gotten we've gotten some some feedback on this series and uh a lot of people are really interested um in this so hopefully we can continue that uh second corinthians chapter nine let's start off at verse six and then we'll go from there uh second corinthians chapter nine verse six but this i say he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, um, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Father, we thank you for the time that we have to study your word. Uh, we're, we're, our goal is to allow your word to be the final authority in all things, and from that uh, we speak with authority uh, not anything that we come up with or anything like that, but we allow your word to be the final authority in all things, uh, that we might be the praise and honor and glory of your grace, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, um, what, we, what we see here is the same thing that we see over in Galatians, right? Um, in Galatians chapter 6, if you go over to Galatians chapter 6, we see the same thing here. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, what's interesting to me is, if you think about what's going on here, and you look at these two verses together, Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he's dealing with giving. And in chapter 6 of Galatians, he's talking about some other things, but this is something that it operates the exact same way as everything else in our life, especially today. And we're going to take a look at a verse here in just a second, which is the motivation for that. But what I want you to think about here is, in Galatians 6, 8, he says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Now, if you stop and you think about that real quick, and put that in the context of giving... If you give to get stuff, that's not good, <laughs> right? We don't give to get stuff it's not work. because it's not going to work. And that's what he's dealing with there. So he's saying, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to, of the flesh, reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So when we think about what's going on here, it's not like, okay, I'm going to give so I get everlasting life, right? It's the basis from which I do. Notice real quick, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is the main issue that we're looking at when we're looking at this. All right? Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. 
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And he goes on down through there. But here's what I want us to look at. What's the, what's the motivation here is in verse 14. The love of Christ constrains us. We don't do things to get things. We do things because we've already been given everything. You know, in Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about the fact that God hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. It's done. It's a done deal. God tells us in Romans, he says what? That God calleth those things that be not as though they were. Now, I understand the context of what he's dealing with. He's talking about Abraham and the things that's going on there with Abraham saying, you're going to have a child. God talks to him as if he's already had a child. And so what he does with us today in Romans chapter 8, you go over there and you look and we find out that him he called, them he also justified and glorified. That's a thing that is already true for us today. And it's from that position that we look. You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, we have, we, we have been made to sit together with Christ in heavenly places. That is true for us right now today. And it's from that position that we live on this earth. That's the mindset that we should have as we live and walk and have our being here on earth. And so this love that Christ had for us is what should compel us and motivate us. And you see this back over in Galatians chapter 6, right? That's what he's dealing with. Verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. The issue there is, whichever, you know, you think about this. If you have two dogs at home and you feed one dog all the time, you don't feed the other one, what's going to happen to the one that you've not fed? It's going to starve to death. So if you think about this, we have this flesh that we live with, but we also have the mind of Christ. Which one are we feeding? And that's really what it comes down to. That's going to, that's going to be, where is our motivation really going to be? Is it in the flesh or is it in the spirit? And that's what we've always got to keep in mind, and that's where we're going to go from with this. Um, real quick, go over to Romans 15. Do you have a question? Starving. Um, there's so many people going to church, and they're absolutely starving, and they, have, they really have no idea. Like, I yeah. think they know there's something missing, which is why they're always searching and searching mm-hmm. and searching. But they Maybe this know. Sunday I'll get it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so sad. Yeah. And the thing is, and we've said this before, and I even used this analogy back in Michigan. Um, and I, up there I said, if I, if, I, if I had the money and I was able to do this and I put $1,000 in everybody's bank account, and if you knew about it, but didn't use it and say, man, I wish I had money. And I'm like, it's there. You've already got it. Okay, I get that. Okay, well, here's the statement. Here it is written down. Here's the fact that you have this. And you're like, you know, I believe that's true, but I don't. That's what's going on. Or you could even say, when you mentioned starving, you could even use the analogy of, your pantry is full. You got all kinds of yeah. food. You're, you have everything that you need. Yeah. Um, and you just won't open up the door to the pantry to get the food. Right. That's what's really going on every single day. So that, that that's a good idea. 
Um, but I want us to think about this. Go back to Romans 15 in the, in the context of what we're dealing with here. Because what Paul's dealing with, the folks here in Corinth and also other folks in Nicaea and, and Macedonia and stuff like that, um, there are some issues that they see. Notice in verse 25, Romans 15, 25. Um, but now I go into Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in the carnal things. When therefore I have performed this and have sealed them the to sealed to them the fruit, I will come unto uh, will come by you unto Spain. So when we see that, that's what's going on here at this particular time. Now what we're going to look at is. The amount under the law, the earthly ministry of Christ, and under grace. All right? So, what we've got to think about, and we've talked about this a little bit before, why do you have poor saints at Jerusalem? We're going to look at that, right? And remind ourselves. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so then we want to find out why that is okay and I've, I've got people that i know today you know we're talking about the kingdom now people the reformed theology folks they're here today in this time and they're trying to live based off of this and the guy's like i'm going to sell everything that i have and you know what he did he didn't sell everything that he had he didn't even follow the thing that he said he was following anyway so let's take a look at these real quick go back to deuteronomy chapter 14 I know it's illegal for us to be back in Old Testament as grace people, but let's go check this out. And I want us to see some things here real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 14. Let's start off in verse 22. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22. Thou shalt truly tithe... All the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there. Now I want to stop there for just a second. So first thing we notice here in verse 22, he says, I want you, I want you to tithe on your increase, right? So when you think about this, one of the questions that everybody has when it comes to giving is, how much should I give? 10%. Gross or, or net? Yes. Yes. Because honestly, if you're going to go buy this, it's both. And we'll see this. Right? Here, it's what? 10% on the increase. So that would be your what? That would be your net. How much do you have left over after the taxes? Which, by the way, we're going to find out a tenth is also going to be taken out from there. That's going to be a tax, really. And we'll see that. All right, so 10%. We, we see that, and it's off the net. Notice, why? That the, uh, that the field bring forth year by year, and thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name. Well, where did he choose to place his name? Jerusalem. That's where his name is. 
He set up a place in Jerusalem and says, here's where I'm going to dwell. In fact, one of the purposes of the earth being created is a place for God to dwell. And He's going to dwell here on earth in a literal, visible, physical, earthly kingdom. Right? So, there's a tenth of all their land each year <coughs> uh, uh, that's going to go to the Lord. And we see this. Notice. Um, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, of thy oil, of the firstlings of thy herds, and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. And of course, we've talked about the fear there is not, I'm afraid, but it's what? Believing that God is who He says He is and giving Him the reverence that He deserves because He is God. That's what He's dealing with. Now, are there times where there is fear where it's, I'm afraid? Yeah. But this isn't it. <coughs> Verse 24, And if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set His name there, when the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, then shalt thou turn it into money. Notice, the only time you had money showing up here is what? When you turn the, the, the corn and, 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 and what else do you say? The corn, the wine, the oil, the first things of the, of the herd and the flocks, what's he do? He says, if it's too far for you to get to Jerusalem, sell that stuff and get money. Why? To get there. So basically what it is is you need to get to Jerusalem, and you've got, you've got too much stuff to be able to take with you. <coughs> Sell it where you are, and come to Jerusalem, and then what's going to happen is you're going to buy the things there that you're going to have for the sacrifices. All right, and that's what he's dealing with there, and we'll see that as we go through. Um, verse 25, Then shalt thou turn it, the things that he has there, into money, and bind up the money in thine hand, and shalt go into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul. By the way, people that don't, people that teach tithing don't really know what they're talking about when they're teaching tithing because they get this first and they won't say it. This is what's interesting. And thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thou soul lustest after. If you want a Can Am Roadster, go buy one. No, I'm just sure. That's all I hear. <laughs> Anyway, but that's, notice, they don't, they don't talk about this verse. They talk about, turn it into money and send it to me, right? Yeah. That's not what he's talking about. But there's something very interesting because he tells us, he tells them what it is, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, for oxen, or for sheep, or for wine, or for strong drink, or for whatsoever thou soul desireth, and thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice thou and thine household. <coughs> so think about it. You've got 10% on the net that you're going to take to Jerusalem. If it's too much to take, you turn it into money, then you go to Jerusalem and you can get whatever you want. That's what the verse says, right? And then you eat it with God. And then you eat it with God in, in the presence of God, in the, name, in the place where He said His name. So even people that teach tithing don't even know what they're teaching which is really interesting. But <clears throat> notice this. This is, what, this is something that's really interesting too. Verse, th uh, verse 27. 
And the Levite that was that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. At the end of three years thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year. So think about this. <clears throat> You've got a 10% that you have your stuff, you sell it so you can get to Jerusalem once a year. Every three years you're going to give 10% to the Levites. Why? Because they don't have an inheritance. They don't have a land like the other tribes do. All right? So what's interesting is that 10%, by the way, that's on the net as well because it's thy increase, right? So the tithe is no longer 10%. Now we're up to 20, which is really interesting. But that's every three years. So you've got three and a third percent each year that you're going to save and give to the Levites of the things that you have from the, from the land, really. All right. Um, they had no property in the inheritance. There was no way for them to be able to produce food. So what do you do? You take 10% of the things that you grow on your property and you give it to the Levites so that they can have food. So you've got a vacation fund, really. You've got an offering fund for the religious leaders, which is food, by the way. And I had somebody tell me, he's like, you can't pay an electric bill with food. And I'm like, no, I get that. You're not understanding what tithing's about is really what's going on. But anyway, um, notice this, verse 28 um, and 29. All right, I think I conflated two things. I got the three three times a week. That's different. So the 10% to the Levites. Verse 27. At the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year, and shalt lay it, uh, lay it up within thy gates. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow which are within thy gates shall come and shall eat and be satisfied that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thy hand, <clears throat> which thou doest. So you've got 10% goes to the Levites, and then you've got 10% that goes to really a welfare system. <coughs> so it's interesting. So you've got every three years, so you've got 10%, three and a third percent every year, and then a 10%. So really, the tithe in the Old Testament was 23 and a third percent. So it's not even 10%. And it's food. <laughs> Unless you can't take it to Jerusalem, then it becomes money because you've sold it and then you go and, and then you turn it back into food or you turn it back into oxen or whatever it is you need to. You know, when Christ shows up at the, at the, at the temple and, and you've got the money changers there and he, throws, he overthrows the table, right? Why? Because people are doing this and they're buying an animal for sacrifice and what they do is, all right, we're going to take this in. The people walk away. They bring that back out and sell it to the next person too, is what they're doing. So they're making money off the same animal every time, and they're misusing what's going on. That's why Christ was upset, and he threw over the table of the money changers, because that's what they're doing. Because they knew people are going to come because they have a far distance to travel. 
Which, by the way, when you look at when the nation of Israel split into two, ten northern, two southern tribes, why did they split? Because the king up here said, you know, it's too far for you all to travel to Jerusalem all the way down there, so I want to create my own Jerusalem up here that you're going to come to. And that's really what he did. It's just a false religious system like we talked about before. All right, so Old Testament law, what was the amount? 23 and a third all the time. So, the, you know, you go to those churches that have the who will rob from God and they've got the people up there that's not given 10%. Well, if you want to do it, really, you should go by that. So then that knocks them out too. Anyway, <clears throat> that's, that's a different thing. But um, go back to... Well, let's do this. Go over to Luke chapter 12, right? So, again, we're talking about the amount, right? Under the law, 23 and a third percent. <clears throat> get, uh, get Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 12. Which one are we going to first? Um, according to my scribble on my notes, we're going to Matthew first. Matthew chapter 6. Yeah. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 12. Okay, I'm kind of sweating, but it's cold. Like it's well, weird. I turned my air down. Did you? Oh, okay. All right. <clears throat> so Matthew chapter 6. No, I appreciate that. For me to be, for me to be chilly, it's kind of... All right. Are you okay? Huh? Yeah, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's a glistener. Okay. He glistens. <laughs> That's what I call it. <laughs> Do what? Twilight. Yeah, there you go. Oh, the sun. Anyway. All right, Matt. <laughs> the fact that I know that reference yeah, kind of no, sad. Yeah, anyway. No, it's it's good. Delilah made me watch it. Does that, does that make it feel... Is that okay? Is everybody okay with that? Because Delilah forced yeah. it. No, yeah. Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, stuff like that. We talked about before. There's a couple that used to come here. Uh, we talked about because I, you know, she and I work together, and I know she's a big Harry Potter fan. I was like, you know, we're probably one of the only people that ever say, hey, you know, there's something in Harry Potter that's really interesting, that's biblical that people don't even realize. So it's really kind of neat. But I wouldn't say biblical. Well, the idea is it comes from that. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, <clears throat> we'll talk about that afterwards. I definitely wouldn't say biblical, but yeah, the idea is the idea. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about that later. All right, Matthew chapter 6. Back in, back in, back in line here. Verse 24. <clears throat> no man can serve two masters, for either he will, he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they, they sow not, neither shall they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your Father, your heavenly Father, feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why, and why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Now you think about that and you're going through here. <clears throat> this this is laying up 
This is laying a groundwork for them, and we'll see where we're going. Verse 29, And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or withal, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Now I want you to stop and think here for a second. What Christ is doing here, this is on the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, right? And what He's doing is He's preparing these people for the tribulation. There is a time where they're not going to be able to get good, clean drinking water and things like that. They're not going to be able to buy and sell. They're not going to be able to get the things that they need. And what He's doing is He's saying... God will provide, right? That's one of His names back in the Old Testament. We'll, we, may, we may look at that sometime. But notice, verse 32, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day uh, until the day is the evil thereof. Now, what we're thinking about here is keep those things in mind as we go over to Luke chapter 12. All right? Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> we see the we see the same thing this this is the account. This is Luke's account of what what was taking place over in Matthew. Notice in Luke chapter 12 because he gives us a little bit more information. Verse 30, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after. By the way, stop there for a second. In, Ma in Matthew, he called them what? This is what the Gentiles seek after. What's he call them here? The nations of the world. Biblically, we can say that the Gentiles are the nations and the nations are the Gentiles. Right? Bible takes care of itself. Keep on going. Verse 31, well... In, let's finish that. And your father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Right? What's he tell them to do? Sell that ye have and give alms. Well, what does he mean by that? Sell everything that you have and give them away. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where, there, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So then, when we think about these things, it's no longer 23 and a third percent, but it's what? All. That's 100%. So, question. I follow Jesus, do you? They don't. By the way, when Jesus Christ says, if you receive who I send, you receive me. By the way, when Christ tells Paul in Acts 9, and it's repeated in Acts 22 and 26, when he says, I send thee, Christ sent Paul. And if you want to follow Christ today, you follow the one that he sent 
and you will receive him. By the way, that's a side note. But everybody says, well, I want to follow Christ. You don't. You're not even close. You can't. So then, those are those things that we want to be able to keep in mind as we go through these things. Now, um, go over to, to, to Acts chapter 4, and we see, we see the exact same stuff. We started to take a look at this um, a little bit the last time, but notice Acts chapter 4. So you've got to think. Acts chapter 4, we've got the earthly ministry of Christ, right? Um, Jesus Christ is baptized of John the Baptist. We get over here. He's crucified. He's buried, risen again. Holy Spirit comes down here in Acts chapter 2, right? Well, here we are in Acts chapter 4. Are they still doing this? Notice Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were, assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought, that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there, uh, was there among, any among them that lacked. Why? Because they all had things in common. Notice, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses did what? Based on that, right? The Luke chapter 12. Everything they had they sold, right? And brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who, who by the apostles were surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. What they're doing is, they, by doing that, they're, they're submitting to the authority of the twelve, based on Luke chapter 12. And that Levite, who's in income tax, tithe, did it himself. Exactly. So now you've got a Levite who's sold everything that he had. Remember, they didn't have land back here as, a, as, a, as an inheritance, I should say, right? But you've got a Levite over here who has land, and he sells that and gives it away. Why? Because that's what they did, right? We see the exact same thing over in Acts chapter... Um, yeah. Yeah. Well... You know, you go down. You go down to Ananias and Sapphira. What happened to them in chapter five? They lied. They lied. They held back a part of the price, right? They didn't give it all. Right. So what happened to them? It's okay. Next time, just bring it all in. No, immediately, drop dead. Holy Ghost was No. <laughs> Reminds me of something, but I won't say it. All right. But we see. What do they do? They have all things common, right? So then, I want you to think about that. In, in the context of what's going on, here we are in Acts chapter 4. That's what we're reading there. Acts chapter 7. I'm running out of room here. What happens is Stephen's stone. He looks up, sees Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God the Father. 
right? So then, what, ha what was supposed to have happened at that time would have been the seventh week of Daniel. But God, before the foundation of the world, knew that He was going to, at that time, start something different. How long has that time period been? Almost 2,000 years, right? So then, all these people who had zero because they followed Luke 12, eventually, the things that they had in common, they're going to run out of stuff, right? Yes. They're... Their food that they had, they're going to eat it until it's gone. And what's going to happen? Well, that's why you have the poor saints in Romans 15. Because that period of time lasted longer than they did, if you will. Right? We're still living in it today. So then, when we think about this, 23 and a third, 100%, what about grace? Right? So again, remind ourselves... This, this week what we're talking about, last week we talked about the amount, the attitude. Remember, this week we're looking at the amount. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> so 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Notice, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. What, what's the amount? Whatever you feel like. If you want to give 10%, that's your business. Yeah. Can we hold somebody else to that and say, well, since I gave 10, you have to give 10? No. That's what Romans 14 is all about, right? We don't judge people by how much they give, what they can give. And that's one of those things we'll, we'll see a little bit more about this as we go through. But what is it? Even if they don't want to give. And so then you look at that and you're like, okay. It's interesting because, you know, we've talked about this before. There are people that we've still not have met personally that over the last year and a half have decided on their own to give to this ministry. We've never met them, except through one of them we've met through Facebook. Uh, a couple others, I still don't even know who they are, other than their name. And I don't know who... And so then, like I said, when we had this, this couple call from Montana, never met them in my life. They said, we love the radio station that you all put up on, on the internet, and we want to help with that. Never met them in our, in our lives. But what it is, is it's this verse living in them that they say, I choose to give, and they look for somebody they want to give to, and it's based on, really what, what you find out is, it's based on who are you getting information from. That's what they're doing. And we see that over and over again. We'll see that as we go through here. But notice, what's, what's, what's the amount? Whatever you purpose in your heart, so let him give. The only caveat, if you will, is not grudgingly. Mm -hmm. Now, we've said this before. <clears throat> if, if you feel like I've got to, don't. Mm -hmm. In fact, we said, if you feel like you've got to or you need to, keep it. I don't want it. Mm 
We don't want it. As a ministry, don't, I don't want that on, on us or you. And so that's one of those things we've talked about before. Why? At the very end, for God loveth a cheerful giver. What motivates you isn't, man, I need to or I have to. It's I want to because the love of Christ constrains me that he died for me and I want to help put that message out. And I'm going to find somebody that's doing that and I want to give to them. That's what it comes down to. And it's completely different than what we're all probably brought up in. Um, if you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're right here. Let's take a look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. What blesses me probably more than anything is getting our $2 monthly donations. <laughs> well, it's every two weeks, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. And, and this person is doing what they can. And it, that is a huge blessing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 and we'll see this here in a second. Uh notice here in chapter eight, verse eight. I speak not by commandment. By the way, it's not a commandment. Mm-hmm. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. Because if it's of a commandment, then there's necessity and probably grudging yeah. to do it. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Now that's one that's really interesting and to prove the sincerity of your love. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor that ye through the poverty, through His poverty, might be rich. Think about that. He gave up everything to come in to man's flesh, fashioned Himself as a man without sin, took upon Himself the form of a servant, to, for the whole purpose of going to a cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you think about that. His whole life was to follow what God said. His entire life, we looked at the faith of Christ a couple months ago, and it was what? He lived his life in total dependence on the Word and the Father. Yeah, and that's one of those things that's just amazing. Mm -hmm. And we can do the same thing. But notice here, verse 10. And again, this is another one of those things that's really interesting to to notice here. And herein I give my what? Commandment? No, my advice. For this is expedient for you. It's, 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 It's profitable for you. It's useful for you. Who have, be, who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. Notice, for if there be, a fir, be first a willing mind, that's the, as a man purposeth in his heart, right? You have to have a willing mind to do it. Notice, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Now, stop there for just a second. This is one of those things that I've kind of had issues with. You ever see these guys on TV, call the number, give them your credit card number, 
and give a thousand dollars. We'll give you a prayer handkerchief. Now, now here, think about this. How are they telling them to give with a credit card? That's give as you don't have rather than as you give, as you have, right? That's the exact opposite of this. So one of the things we said before at our first conference is, you know, if you'd like to give, we, we have a way to take uh, debit cards, not credit card. We don't, I don't want a credit card because I don't want to do that. And we'll see why here in a little bit. But notice, <clears throat> for I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened. He's saying, don't give to the point that you're burdened in your own life and you can't take care of your own family because one of the things that we know is what? We have to be able to take care of our family. Verse 14, But by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Now, what they did back here is they did what? They sold everything they had so that they had all things common. Here he's saying what? Your abundance might be a supply for their want or their abundance might be the supply for your want so that we all have what? Equally. And equality. Verse 15, As it is written, He that hath gathered much had nothing over, and he that hath gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. And he goes on down through there, talking about the being more forward and all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> go over to First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy chapter six, and this is again something that we've looked at, but we want to make sure um, the the mindset of this, right? Our heart behind this. <clears throat> It's the proving your love that he says over in 2 Corinthians 8 that we just looked at, right? Proving your love, not your righteousness. Yeah. Notice in verse, verse 5, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You know how they always say... Um, when you see when you see a um, funeral procession, you ever see a U-Haul behind them? <laughs> you know the Egyptians did that stuff, right? The Egyptians had all their things, especially the, the pharaohs. They had their things buried with them. Yeah, because they thought here's here's going to be your path to 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 the afterlife. Um, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then, we, when we look at this, there's nothing that we brought in, so there's nothing we could take out. Verse 8, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. The content, being content, is that issue, right? Um, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they erred from the faith and, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now again, we looked at. I'm sorry. When it's gone, there's sorrow over it. Mm -hmm. Reminds you of the rich young ruler, right? Yeah. He walked away sorrowful. Yeah. Yeah. The verse is what Bruce read earlier too. So if you think about that, um, 
when you're looking at 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, as, as, as you choose to give, and this is one of the things we've talked about before, if, if you want to give $5, you give $5 to whoever. If that $6 makes you think, I don't want to do this, then don't give the $6. Or I can't do this. Yeah, or I can't do this, or... And I just I've got to give X amount. Then you don't give it. That's that's the rule by which we're gonna which which we're gonna look at this. Um, so what happens is go real quick over to 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 Titus chapter two, <clears throat> because this is the key to almost everything. And I know we're we're not gonna get all the way through this, but um, there's some things that I want us to make sure that we see. You know, grace doesn't display your name in the back of the church. No. But you know what? Neither does the law. No. That's no, that's true. That's error all yeah. the way. That's just human viewpoint right yeah. there. It's it's a way to make you feel bad. Mm-hmm. And God's never done that. No. Then or now. No. Um, so let's take a look at this real quick. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Now this is something we looked at when we were going through the book of Titus, which is really, really interesting. Um, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. All right. So what he's talking about here is there is a particular set of information that has been presented and has appeared unto all men. And that information actually brings salvation, right? Verse 12. Teaching us that. Now stop there for a second. What's teaching us in verse 12 is the grace of God. We see that? Mm -hmm. So the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that. The grace of God will teach us denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. The grace of God, everything that God is able to have done for you and has done for you and I, that's His grace. And we can't enumerate it. We'd like to, but we can't. When he says he hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, he gives us some information through there about some of those blessings, but he can't tell us all of them. You know, in, in Romans chapter 5, when he talks about where we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, we're already there. The way you access it is by faith. Faith is taking God at His Word. When we look at this and we see that grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, that means we can. That also means that when it comes to giving, the grace will also teach us that too. And what happens is it takes time to learn about what grace does to help us live soberly, righteously, and godly, looking for that blessed hope. But it also takes time to teach us that. It takes time. We have to learn some things. It's that no reckon and yield, right? Yeah. The idea we sell back in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is you don't give it all away, Right? Because we see over First Timothy chapter 5 is we have to provide for our family. Right? So we can't give it all away. We're not doing this. We can't do this. In fact, if we do, 
we're denying the faith and we're worse than an infidel. Mm-hmm. And in Titus 14, he's going to purify unto himself a peculiar people, mm-hmm. zealous of good works. Mm-hmm. Meaning we want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Not and that's that. Yeah, and that's the that's the love of Christ constraining us, right? To to do that. <clears throat> um, now, like I said, First Timothy five. If we give it all away, we can't provide for our family. Romans 13, 8, and Proverbs 22, 7, right? You go with those, and it's, if we're, you know, we're a, we're a servant to whoever we borrow from. For years, for years, I worked for City Card, and I worked for MasterCard, and I worked for, I forget what the other one was. Because when I was young and dumb, I accrued a whole bunch of debt and I worked for those credit cards. All that stuff's gone now. That's one of the worst things that I was never taught about and I wish I had been because now, you know, you're a servant to the borrower. And we work. Yeah. And that's what he's talking about in Romans, right? To whom you obey. That's that type of thing. So here's what I want us to think about. How much back here? 23 and a third. How much here? 100%. And if you didn't, drop dead. (laughs) It's not a good way to go, right? So when we talk about how much in grace, here's the three principles that I want us to go away with. And this comes from 2 Corinthians 9. As much as you can give cheerfully... And be able to provide for your family and to where you don't owe any man anything other than to love him. That's a pretty good way to think about it. Give as much as you can cheerfully, provide for your family, and don't owe any man anything. And what it comes down to is what what the grace of God does is it teaches us, we're right there in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the issue is, is that what? The man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, that we are adult sons of God, acting like adult sons of God when it comes to giving. Not childish and fussing about 10%. Or giving away everything to where I can't provide for my family. Exactly. And so then it comes, and what grace does is it frees you from all that stuff. And he says, what? It's not by commandment, but it's by, here's my advice. And that's what it comes down to. And so then we look at those things. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 real quick. (laughs) Yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six. Notice this. This is really interesting because this is one of those things. So we were talking about, we were talking about earlier um, the sealing, right? And I want to talk about the seal 
that we have. But then there's a second thing that I was wanting to preach up in Ridge Farm, and it's about Thanksgiving. And I want us to see this. Notice this real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So the question is, is where do we sow and where do we reap? Notice in verse, um, verse 10. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us what? My bad. I, I, started, I said verse 10, but I started reading verse 11, right? <clears throat> verse 10. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seeds sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Verse 11. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us what? Where are you going to sow is there, and where you're going to reap is in the thanksgiving to God. To me, that's interesting. When we talk about thanksgiving, and we're going to look at that because I've got those two messages I want to, I want to do anyway, so we'll just use them here. Thanksgiving, when you go back and you study thanksgiving in the Old Testament Scriptures, and where we are today... And how different that is, obviously it's going to be different. But when we take a look at those things, there's something else there that I find very interesting. We'll talk about that as well. But notice here, um, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and then we'll finish up with a couple verses here. <clears throat> verse 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Notice this. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, that word to wit means to what? To know. I want you to know something about the grace of God bestowed on the church of, of Macedonia. Notice in verse 7. So he's talking about, in verse 2, he's talking about in their great affliction and abundance of their joy, their deep poverty, they abounded unto the, the riches of their liberality, and they were able to help some, some folks out. Verse 4, he's talking about praying with much entreaty. Notice here in verse 7, this is where it really comes down to. <clears throat> well, let's look at the last part of verse 6. And he's talking about Titus. He says, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. The grace that he's talking about here is what? Ministering to other people. Notice in verse 7, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. When we look at abounding in everything, and in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and diligence, he says, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. And again, he says, I'm not, I'm not doing this by commandment. So I want you to think about this. Everything we do should abound because we're in grace. Everything. <laughs> Everything. That just, and it's not just giving. Put that aside for a second. That's everything. Everything. If we think about it, should be grace. If we talk to somebody else, Grace. Yeah, and that's what it says in 2 Corinthians 10. That's what he gets into is, is 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing those things into, into the what? Into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Everything that we think, say, do, feel, act, should, everything should be filtered through the obedience of Christ. How is He obedient? To the Word. So much so that He went to the cross. So then when we think about this, our response to what Christ did for us should be what? Think about this. <clears throat> and this is, this is one of those things you think about this. Is God's grace so great that I will give the bare minimum that the law required? You think about that. The bare minimum the law requires and say, God's grace is enough, I'll just do as little as possible. That's what churches are doing. Just give 10%. They have no basis. Exactly. Yeah. They're doing it for the money. And what do you do with that person? You move away from them. You don't have anything to do with them. But when we think about that, is God's grace so great that we're going to say, hmm, bare minimum that the law required, that's enough for me. Like, it just... To me, that blows my mind. Um, it's like sloppy seconds. You know, yeah, like, meh. I've I've gotten I've got everything taken care of. So let me give you let me give you that. So it, it's really interesting when we look at this. So when it comes down to the amount, it's not twenty three to third. It's not a hundred percent. It's whatever we choose in our heart that we can do cheerfully by taking care of our family, and then also not owing any man anything. Years ago. Um, the church that we used to go to back home, um, a lady told me, she says, you know, I've not been given to the church here lately because I know this family that's in need. I said, take care of them. That's one anothering. That's putting others over self. Do that because you know the church probably isn't going to go help those people out, so just go and help them out directly. And you think about that stuff, and that, that, that the motivating factor there is grace and love. And the church, as a, as a functioning unit, can't necessarily help every single person financially like that. Right. Yeah. But individuals, if you want to, you can. And then not only that, but the local church should be able to help those that it's in the church. And that's the point of it. And so, you know, no, I, I understand what you mean. So, yeah, no, absolutely, and that's that's the point, right? That could be a part of your own thing. And so then she brought that up, and I was like, you know, here's the deal. If you see a need, go take care of the need. You know, we don't have the sign up here that says attendance and amount given and all. You know. It is what it is. But, you know, when we think about that, we, we talked about the attitude the last time. Um, this time we talk about the amount. The next time we're going to look at um, how does God respond in these situations too. So we'll take a look at that the next time. All right?